Welcome to the Grow People Podcast, the episode number 53, I believe. I don't know. You know these things. First episode of 2024. Our best one. Best one. This is the best one so far. Of 2024. Did y'all do those kind of jokes? We, like... My daughter and wife loves those kind of jokes. Like on New Year's Day, they would say something, you know, and they were like, this is the best thing of 20, you know, <laughs> like making jokes that it was the, um, which hasn't necessarily been a normal thing in our house, but huh. it was funny. I was to say that. Well, 2024 is a wild year for you guys. Yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, we always go to my in-laws house, have black eyed peas, cornbread, because mm-hmm. for whatever tradition that is i made really sure. i made that you did yes yeah. yes cornbread was terrible um <laughs> we, had, we had gone down to by the way that's pastor jason lead pastor of revolution church my name is david stein um we had gone down to leanna's grandfather's again for uh first time we've ever done thanksgiving and christmas down at the farm wow in, we're really in, yeah. it up yeah we went right after the fifth gathering fifth christmas gathering yeah, yeah here in canton got down there christmas eve and on Christmas Day, her mom made this like incredible pot roast, the best mashed potatoes I've ever had, mm. and fried cornbread. Mm. So frying it in peanut oil. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. So we came home, ordered a crock pot, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I tried to duplicate that meal on New Year's Eve. Mm. It did not duplicate. Didn't, didn't no. do well. No, yeah. I think mom was holding back on me. <laughs> holding back on that one secret thing. I made the cornbread. It was terrible. It was like inedible. It, it probably wasn't the ingredients. Probably user error. User error. Both. Yeah. Yeah. May we been. call that an ID ten T. An you ID. Heard? No. You've never heard of that? No. If you draw, if you write out ID ten T, it spells a word. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Got it. I just, I just had to write it. You down. had to write it down. <laughs> yeah. Well played. Well played. Yeah. So, so now people on my podcast can do that and see what I mean. I don't even know where we are. Um, Christmas. We're in Canton. Oh, okay. Christmas. Uh, incredible. Yeah. For just church-wide. We were just blown away. Yeah, Christmas was amazing. And it, it, this was just one of those years where in the calendar it fell good. You know what I mean? Like it, it was on Sunday. Um, and we really encourage people to come because of that to come thursday sold that sold that pretty hard yeah and it was incredible and we had an over under on thursday night i think the over under was like 270 well normally on a thursday night we'll have about 150 people it's adults it's it's awesome and then we got about 30 40 kids yeah so i set the over under at 275 just make it easy for people to win yeah and we did have a couple of people say under yeah we did Uh, those of little faith yeah yeah uh, we hit uh, 900 adults 900 on Thursday night. And and yeah. we were we were expecting, uh, I was walking around the office going, oh, it's going to be at least 400. And yeah. People were poo-pooing me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where Where is the faith? And uh, so 900 on, on Thursday night. Then we skipped a day. Yes. Didn't have anything for And then Saturday, we had 4.30 and, and 6.30. We had an overflow plan, mm-hmm. as we always do. Yep. But not thinking for Christmas we would go into that plan. No, not on not at four thirty on a Saturday. And we had what, like thirteen hundred? Thirteen four thirty. Thirteen hundred and one adults. Yeah. They kept coming. Kept coming. They wouldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great problem to have. And uh Brian Damero, our production minister, uh, did a great job of making sure that the audio and the visual in the lobby was excellent. Yeah. 
and everybody, just an incredible team of getting chairs laid out, having overflow in one of our kids' rooms. It was excellent. Yeah, and, and so thank you, everybody who did that, because yep. it, it really did blow us away. Because, again, we make those preparations because we want – we know people are going to come on Sunday morning and we do the same thing on Easter, but this one was just like over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing. And so people listened to us. So thank you all who came and served. And I think it was our largest in Canton, mm-hmm. our largest Christmas, right? Oh, ever. Yeah. 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 By far. Um, there were churchwide 1500 more people than last year Yeah, uh, for Christmas. Yeah. And, yeah, there was this great fear on Saturday night that nobody was going to show up on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the thing. It was almost like the pendulum. Yeah. We prepare for it and we ask people to come. But then Thursday night, like it was tangible, like our whole staff and even team members were so excited coming up and talking and saying, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this many people here. So that was just really cool. But then when Saturday happened, yeah, then there became like this tangible fear <laughs> of like, oh, I hope people actually show up on Sunday. And, and again, they did, yeah. but it was this, it was just kind of funny thinking about it because we just didn't expect that many people mm-hmm. to come yeah. prior to, but like I said, it was just the way it fell. It was great. And it allowed us to spread it out, um, which is always awesome because preaching I, as I've gotten older, um, I will say it's just incredibly hard for me to preach more than two times in a row. Um, because, you know, I just put so much energy and emotion into it that it just drains me. Mm-hmm. So I like the way we did that. Yeah. Like Thursday, take a break to Saturday, take a break to Sunday. Um, but then on Christmas day on Monday morning, I was way more tired than normal on a, on a Monday morning after preaching, but then we got the week off. Um, so that was really incredible. So it, it was just one of those years that it just fell nicely mm-hmm. on the calendar and i think obviously our plan all of our team members and staff just did an incredible job so it, it was an incredible christmas and the message was outstanding and i don't think anybody's ever heard a christmas message like that breaking down bethlehem and the name of bethlehem meaning yeah. house of bread and relating that to jesus being the bread of life yeah it, just incredible Yeah, it was one of those, and we've talked about this before, you know, every time you do Christmas or Easter, there's always this tension within any pastor, and I've had this conversation with every friend of mine that preaches, this tension between you want to tell the story, and and you don't want to feel like, I mean, you really want to treat it like Paul said, I didn't come to you with clever stories, but just a demonstration of the power of the Spirit. And so you want to just tell the same story, because you're telling the same story, Mm -hmm. you know. But you also want to help people, um, not that you're trying to make a twist to it or, or whatever. So sometimes, um, you know, as you study this, sometimes I feel like, oh, I've got something new. And then I get excited about that. But then sometimes I don't feel like I have something new, but I still get excited because mm-hmm. it's still the best story ever. Right. You know. So my, what I'm trying to say, it's not like I feel, you, you do feel this tension, like you have to come up with something that someone's never heard before. But then at the same time, you realize if the spirit gives you that great, if the spirit doesn't great, because that's not the point. Mm -hmm. The point is not to wow people with something new, but given this year that we were teaching through Ephesians and we focused on the last two verses of chapter three, that God is able to do more 
than we can ask or think. So knowing that that was like the filter through which we were looking at Christmas, it was really cool to me how then to go back and look at the story in Luke 2 and then pull that out. Um, and again, I didn't know that. I didn't. It's not like I've had that planned. I was mm-hmm. just in studying the Spirit showed that. And that was cool to me is is showing that aspect of it. Yeah, like he was born, even though there's no room in the inn, we see that as something that was negative or something like, oh, man. But to know, but that was all part of the plan, mm-hmm. you know, and Bethlehem is specific and he's the bread of life and put in a manger. Um, and then to tie that all back into Ephesians 3.20 to show God was able to do this event mm-hmm. in a supernatural way, you know, even getting the emperor to call a census to get them to Bethlehem. Why Bethlehem? Why a manger? You know, so to tie that all in, yeah, it, it was probably my most favorite Christmas mm-hmm. message. Yep. Um, just to bring it all together like that. And again, that's just something that, and I appreciate, you know, obviously it's not bad for people to give me a compliment on the message because I did study and I did work hard. But at the same time, I think it's important for me to deflect that, mm-hmm. to say, well, that's the spirit. Yeah. You know, because I don't come to those things on my own. You know, mm-hmm. yes, I which will actually play into what we're going to talk about today with Abide. But, you know, spiritual disciplines is, and I love Dallas Willard saying this, it's doing what I can do to enable what I can't do. Right. And so I want to acknowledge that, yes, I do what I can do. I study, I pray, but that's only so that the Spirit can do what I can't do, mm-hmm. which is to bring a revelation, to make make something known to me. Um, and so that's what was really cool to me. I felt like the message was a demonstration of the verse. God is able to do this. Yes. Um, and he did more than even I could ask or think. Yeah. Now that's, that, that is what I was hearing. You know, we call all of our first time guests. Yeah. So I'm calling them on Christmas Eve and mo- most people answered the phone. Yeah. <laughs> well, since we didn't have like later gatherings. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was like two, three o'clock in the afternoon. We're driving down through South Georgia and people are answering their phones and I got a chance to talk to them. And they talked about that message from the point of view of there were, there were people visiting, uh, obviously they're first time guests. (laughs) They're all visitors, um, visiting from other churches. And this is not a negative on other churches, but a couple of people said that's the most scripture they've ever heard Mm. in a message. Mm. Uh, so that's that's encouraging. Yeah. That's what's going on here at, at Revolution Church. But the other side was it was so spirit led. Mm. Yeah. And and that was encouraging also. Well, and again, that and I've we've said this many times, or I've said this to people. I don't know if I've said it here. Maybe we have in our 53 episodes so far. But to me, that's the best compliment anyone can ever give us is they felt the spirit. Mm-hmm. Is because that is what we're trying to do. We are trying to like I said in, in the message, we're trying to glorify God. We're trying to highlight God. And we do that through song. We do that through production. We do that through speaking. And so I really, we really believe that truth, that when glory goes up, peace comes down. Mm-hmm. And so when peace and power come down, that's a demonstration of the Spirit. So that's why that's the best compliment someone can ever give us, is they felt the Spirit. Because just like in Genesis 1, uh, which a lot of people may have started in their New Year Bible reading plan, the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep to bring about God's Word. You know, 
So that's what should happen in a message is we're speaking God's word, but then the spirit is hovering and he's bringing it about in people's lives. And so that's why that's the best compliment people can give us. Excellent. I, I started my my Bible reading plan for 2024 at the end of 2023. So when I got to January 3rd and skipped a day, I wouldn't feel as bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my Bible reading plan's already done. Yeah, that's funny. Well, I did the exact opposite, which we'll talk more about this in Abide. But um, I'm typically I'm not a big Bible reading plan guy. Mm-hmm. Um because I, I don't like the ones that I had seen, like the year long ones. Yeah. Because I feel like that's, and I didn't like kind of chopping it up, mm-hmm. Old Testament, New Testament, and so on. Right. The, Mar- the like, Martin Lloyd Jones one. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like my brain gets so mm-hmm. scattered. But Lindsay and I started a 90. 90- I'm sorry, Robert Murray Machine. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was a bunch of names. Good. Yeah. Good. I, I interrupted. I know. I feel like I, I should do that. We should start calling ourselves by more than one name. Um, <laughs> But uh, Lindsay and I started one, but we started it yesterday on the second. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were a day late. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> you were a day early. We were a day late. Um, but we are we are you know rocking on. So and, and you know as we're going to get into this, do you want to talk Texas football? Do you? I, I mean, I had it written, I had it written down. Do you, is that going to be a bummer? It's a long sigh. <laughs> you were you were up, you were up late. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Here's the only thing I'll say about that. For those that, so I don't have to say it multiple times, okay. you know, to people in our church. Right. You know, I was very glad to be there mm-hmm. because it's been a dark, you know, decade for Texas football. But Washington, I mean, hats off to them. I mean, that was probably one of the best offensive games I've ever seen a team play. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michael Penix probably should have won the Heisman. So it just became obvious throughout the game. They're they're really good mm-hmm. and we couldn't stop them. So as the game started going on, I started accepting the like in the middle of the third quarter, I told Jackson, we're going to lose this game. Mm-hmm. So I kind of started accepting that. Yeah. And then, so then my emotions were like, okay, great season. They're just better than us, you know, and we made a bunch of mistakes. Well, then the last minute yeah. happens where on a fluke, you know, we get more time back than we expected. And then we start driving. Then my hopes got up again yep. to where like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, we might actually win this. Like we don't deserve to win this game, but we might actually <laughs> win the What the heck? You know? <laughs> and then it came crashing down. And so that was the toughest part of the game is I had already accepted it that we were probably going to lose. And then for my hopes to get brought back up again, only to come crashing back down again that was the toughest part of it. Um, so to all people that care about me, um, it's fine. I mean, I've accepted it and now, now I'm back to, Mm -hmm. it was a great season and, and there was things that we did. I didn't understand why we did them, but that was the toughest part was just that emotional roller coaster there. Oh, it reminded me of the 2015 Clemson season. So, Mm -hmm. You know, we're at the national championship game. Yeah. And not the quarterfinal, but the, the, the semifinal, but the championship game. And we had a chance in the last minute to beat Alabama. Yes. Didn't beat Alabama. We're walking out of the stadium and this old Alabama guy puts his arm around me, goes, You'll be back, son. And and we came back and won the national championship next year. So Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, and there's always that hope, obviously. And and next year, since it's going to twelve teams, I punched him. By the way, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, as you should have, as you should have. No, but that was the thing. That again, it was. Um, that's what's frustrating to me now is if you look back at the game, you're like, man, Texas, because we had two fumbles in the second half. You can't do that against a team that's that good offensively. So you look back at it and there's th- things that are frustrating mm-hmm. about it because you think, man, we could have won that game. Um, but then again, they're just really good. Yep. I mean, well, they're really, really good. If it makes you feel any better, the play-by-play announcer for Washington used to be the basketball play-by-play announcer at Clemson. So longtime friend, mm. solid believer, mm. loves Jesus, and very excited to go to the national championship. Does, does, that, it, make, does that make you feel no, better? No, not okay. at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, then it's like that's two years in a row we played Washington in a bowl game, and they beat us two years in a row. You know, our coach, our head coach, used to be the head coach at Washington. Our defensive coordinator was a defensive coordinator at Washington. So it's becoming like it's becoming like a little bit of a rivalry mm-hmm. in that sense. And two years in a row they beat us. You know, and so to where normally I wouldn't really care that much about Washington because we don't normally play them. You know. Now it's this kind of like, mm. you know, <laughs> don't like Washington. Well, you're handling uh, you're handling it very well. Well, you know, there's much more important things than football. There so. are, there are, and you know, interestingly enough, this season of abide is is something that really has been fueled for me from the idol of football yeah. that I used to grasp onto. Yeah, and we can talk about that as we. Get into this season of abide. It is year, I don't know, boom, boom, boom of abide. I don't know. It's probably year six or seven. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been doing this a minute now. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's something that I look forward to every year. And and then two, I think our church, and it was funny, last year, I wasn't able to be at our abide worship nights because I was sick. And so I missed out on those, mm-hmm. you know, in person. And, um, but I feel like last year, which is just a good thing. I mean, it's not dependent upon me. I feel like last year was kind of like a year that, I don't know. I just felt like our church embraced it more. Yeah. You know, just embrace the concept of people really trying to, um, you know, I felt like when we first started fasting for 21 days, people were like, what? You know, like <laughs> doing your, go ahead. What? Yeah. You your <laughs> Your famous uh, response there. What? People were like, I felt like before people were like, what's the minimum that I can do to be a part of this? You know, to where now people are stepping up more and saying, no, I really want to fast more. Mm-hmm. I really want God more. So if, I just feel like people are getting into it more and people are sacrificing more, which is why I feel like we are experiencing more, you know? And so that's why I look forward to it because it really does kind of set the tone for the whole year. And even watching the, excuse me, even watching the year in review on, mm-hmm. on December 31st, we highlighted that abide season. And so I'm excited about it. Um, and, and because I think people in our church get more excited about it now. The actual fast begins January 15th 15th, and ends on February 4th. Yep. That'll be the Sunday of our abide nights. Yeah. So we'll have 
uh, our Thursday night gathering, and that will be a worship and communion gathering. Then on Friday night and Saturday nights, so the 2nd and 3rd of February, yeah. we'll have our Abide Nights, yes. which will be worship and preaching with guest preachers. Yes. Yeah, it's it's become a way to kind of punctuate the ending of it. Um, and again, we did this pre-COVID, and um, we didn't have a Thursday night gathering then, so we did it three nights. But now post-COVID, we, we changed it up a little bit. But it's, again, it's become just a really cool time um, to end the fast with this kind of like just a really emphatic, you know, we're going to seek God together and worship and then, yeah, bring in, it's a chance to bring in some friends, some church planners, uh, let our church hear from other people um, that have either been influential in my life or are friends of mine. And it's just kind of this collective time. It's almost like, um, you know, we had revival nights a long time ago, um, but it's that kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know, um, to where it's not so much about um, sharing Christ. You know, it's not evangelistic in that sense, but it becomes this just really this time together where collectively as a church, we're praying, fasting, seeking God together. And there's just something supernatural and powerful about that. So yeah, those nights are a part of it. And um, if you're new to our church, this might seem like something that's very daunting, um, but we want you, and we'll, we have actually two weekends. So this weekend and next weekend, we'll actually talk about it in our gatherings. And I'll give some, some handles around that. We have resources. Uh, we have a website and we'll talk more and we'll, we'll just get into it now, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, we have resources that help people understand what fasting is. And on there, we have different types of fasts. Um, now, biblically speaking, fasting is, is about food, um, narrowly. And, and so I do think fasting in general, or not in general, I think fasting specifically, biblically speaking, has to do with food. So what we tell our church is we want you to do, we want you to have fast from something from a food perspective. Um, and in, in that category, there's kind of multiple ways you can do it. You can fast from all food, which again is the most biblical thing to do. Um, you know, fast from all solid foods, um, and just drink juices and water. So there's that. Uh, and then there's a, what we would say is a partial fast, um, which has kind of been popularized now as a Daniel fast where you're only eating fruits and vegetables and nuts, you know, and then drink. Uh, so no, no solid foods, no bread, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then a lot of people will fast from like a specific thing like sugar, you know, or um, diet Coke or, you know, drinks, that kind of stuff. So I always tell people, select something from food to fast. But this is what I want to challenge people with. Don't just choose the minimum. Mm. You know, don't just choose because, now again, with the disclaimer, if you, unless you have health reasons, you know. Sure. So obviously this isn't a shame thing. Like we're not trying to shame anybody for not fasting enough. But again, the reason why I say this is like, let's just take sugar. People will fast from sugar, but then they're still over here like, chomping down on a whole big steak and, you know, well, you're, you're kind of missing the point. If you're, if you're just doing something like that to where you are 
cutting out one thing, but you're overindulging in another thing, mm -hmm. you know, and we've all done that. We've all done it. So again, it's not a shame thing, but this is what I really want to encourage people. Whatever you think that you wanted to do, I would challenge you to up it. Um, because the more, the more food or the more of your necessary, as the Bible calls it, your necessary food, the more of that you can cut out, the more it makes you hunger, which then makes you point your hunger to a new direction, mm. which is in God. So I want to really challenge people to pray about it, obviously ask the Lord, but I want you to really think like, and again, coffee is good. Sugar is good. Um, but I would say those are the minimums, you know, really challenge yourself to cut out more than just that for 21 days as a way to really whet your appetite, if you will, for the word of God. So good. Uh, one of the books that I would commend from the microphone, uh, if you're interested in these spiritual disciplines, including fasting and prayer, uh, would be Habits of Grace uh, from David Mathis. And I've read this every year since I found this book mm. uh, around this time. And what I love about it is the subtitle is Enjoying Jesus yeah. through the spiritual disciplines, yeah. not struggling yeah. through the spiritual disciplines. Yeah. It's enjoying Jesus. And he talks about fasting, and I'm just going to read this, and it's it was encouraging to me. What makes fasting such a gift is its ability, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to focus our feelings and their expression toward God in prayer. Fasting walks arm in arm with prayer, and... It says that prayer is the hungry handmaiden. Uh, I'm sorry, fasting is the hungry handmaiden of prayer that both reveals and remedies. That burn in your gut, that rolling in your belly, that aching that you feel for more food signals game time for fasting as a means of grace. Mm -hmm. Only as we voluntarily embrace the pain of an empty stomach. Do we see how much we're allowed, we have allowed our belly to be our God? Absolutely. And in that growing discomfort of growing hunger is the engine of fasting, generating the reminder to bend our longings for food Godward and inspire intensified longings for Jesus. And as John Piper says, the physical exclamation point at the end of Fasting is this much, oh God, I want you. Yeah. And I, and that's so good, good because the point of fasting is not fasting. Mm -hmm. The point is not going without food. Although that's what we need to do. Mm -hmm. You know, the point is I'm going without food because I want something else more, which we talk a lot about in our, it's even one of our family culture statements. We don't get what we want by doing what we want. Um, we get what we want by doing what we need to do to get what we want. Yes. So again, the best way to think about fasting is we use the word spiritual discipline. Well, the spiritual discipline is the same thing as physical discipline. Um, and I already referenced Dallas Willard, how he related spiritual disciplines. It's doing, it's doing what I can do to enable what I can't do. I can't grow muscle. I can't do that. I can't do that by direct effort. Mm -hmm. Oh, I wish I could. I can't lose fat by direct effort. We can only do it by indirect, which means when I work out and when I eat healthy, that's doing what I can do, 
which enables what I can't do, which is build muscle and lose fat. Well, and the same thing spiritually speaking is true. I have to do what I can do, which is read my Bible, mm. pray, go without food, fasting. I can do those things to enable what I can't do, which is to grow spiritual fruit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, all that. So the point that that he's saying and what I'm trying to say with really thinking more about what can I fast from is the same thing. Like, so let's just go back to the physical analogy. If someone says I'm going to fast from sugar and coffee, that's good. That's like saying, physically speaking, you're going to walk 20 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we should do that. But if I really want to be healthier, I'll do more than just walking right. 20 minutes a day. It's not that walking 20 minutes a day is bad. It's really good. It's not that fasting from sugar is bad. It's really good. But what, what can I do more uh, so I can add physical resistance to it? So I can walk 20 minutes a day and I can work out. You know, I can lift weights four times a week. So when we take that same mentality and we apply it spiritually speaking, so for these 21 days, you know, walking 10 minutes a day would be the equivalent of like going without sugar. But lifting weights would be the equivalent of actually going without something else, mm -hmm. you know, like upping it a little bit, spiritually speaking, actually going without more. So maybe it's going without meat. Maybe it's going without something else. Um, so that's what I really want us to think about is if we want to enjoy Jesus, if we want to fast or feast on God, the more effort we put into that, the more we're going to get out of it. You know, the more we're going to see God, um, because in doing, in doing these things, we are doing what we can do. So if I do more of mm -hmm. what I can do, then I'm going to enable more of what I can't do. Mm. Um, so that's what I love about this season, because one, we do it at the new year because people are, are more willing, you know, cause it's a new year. It feels like, and, and I'm sure, um, People in our church make New Year's resolutions. You probably have already done that, which is good. I'm not. I'm not against those. But Jackson and Lindsay were were laughing the other day um, because my father-in-law and my son they all go to this one gym, and my father-in-law had made a comment to Lindsay about going to the gym, and then Jackson pipes up. He goes, "Yeah, but don't go the first two weeks of January, right? Because <laughs> everybody's going to be there." He was like, "Wait till the third week. Yep. After the third week, then it starts to drop off." Mm -hmm. Because again, everybody makes these resolutions they, and their resolution might be, I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to, I want to lose 10 inches or whatever it is, or I want to bring down my, you know, blood pressure, find things to do. I think the problem that we get into though, is people make resolutions without making rhythms hmm. or they make resolutions without, I'm going to use an old school, by old school, I mean like 1500 years old. They don't create. I, I wasn't there. Yeah, way. exactly. <laughs> way older than David. Not just rhythms, but rules. Mm. Um, and this goes back into church history. That's what I was was referencing. Is there's a concept, and you can look this up, called a rule of life. Mm -hmm. um, and it came about out of the early church tradition, which, again, without getting too much down the rabbit hole, you know, our church is a Protestant church, which Protestant means we're not Catholics because we, the Protestants broke away from the Catholic church 
in, you know, the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s. Um, and there were specific reasons for that, which again is not the point of what I'm trying to say. However, when our, when the Protestants broke away, I heard someone describe it this way. There was a divorce within the church um, and Protestants got the Bible and Catholics got church tradition. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like, you know, when a divorce happens, kids either go with mom or dad, you know, and there's this schism that happens within the family. Well, the same thing happened in the family of God. So Protestants got the Bible, which was great, but we lost, like that's mom, we lost dad. Mm. We lost the church tradition. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm saying that is there's so much about church history that a lot of Protestants don't know about because we just like divorced ourselves from it. Um, And the reason why I'm pointing that out is one of the things that was lost was a lot of what the church fathers in the third, first, second, third, you know, post the, once the apostles died off, those church fathers of Irenaeus, Tertullian, other guys like that, um, they had to develop coming out of the first and second century. They had to develop things. Um, creeds were one of them, like the apostles creed, the Nicene creed, the, uh, Athanasius creed. They had to develop what is called now kind of rules of faith. Mm-hmm. And then they had confessions and those kinds of things. And they had church councils. You know, again, I'm, I'm really distilling down a lot of church history. But so many Protestant people don't know any of those things. Because in the divorce, that didn't, we didn't keep that. We divorced ourselves from all of that. To where if you look at Catholic church, they talk way more about church history and church fathers and obviously the Pope and, you know, papal authority and that kind of stuff. Um, but there's so many Protestant people that miss out on those creeds, those confessions, but they distill down what we believe. And again, if you just look this up, and again, I'm, I'm doing an overview quickly here, but there's two aspects of church history that was lost that I think is good for us to recover. One I've already mentioned is what's called a rule of faith. Mm-hmm. And the word rule, you, the Latin major, uh, the word rule is another way of saying Latin regular. Mm-hmm. Um, modern people today, we don't like rules. Mm-mm. You know, we are anti-authority. Yep. We don't want rules. We don't want people telling us what to do. So when we talk about rules today, we always think that that's like an antithesis to relationship. Even Christians, with Protestants would say, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship which I have done my best over the last couple of years to tweak that and say, no, it, it is still a religion. And by religion, we mean rules. There are still rules. Jesus has rules, but it's powered by a relationship. And so I think Protestants have done a disservice by juxtaposing rules and relationship or religion and relationship in a way that the Bible never did in the way these early church fathers never did. Mm-hmm. There's still rules. There's still religion. There's still things we are called to do, but now it's powered by a relationship. So a part of abide is us saying we want to bring back those rules. One I just mentioned is a rule of faith, which is orthodoxy, what we believe. And then there is what's called the rule of life, which is orthopraxy, how we practice what we do. So by doing spiritual disciplines, fasting, praying, uh, reading our Bible, that's creating a rule of life. That's creating 
there's a book that came out several years ago that I'll actually reference this in the message that is really good called the vine and the trellis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, John 15, Jesus talks a lot about the vine. He's the vine. We're the branches abide in the vine. Well, a vine obviously is the source. It's the power, but the vine has nothing to grow on without the trellis, you know, without this. And I always think of a trellis is again, just my redneck that the lattice, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. that white lattice panel that you see against the wall. Yeah. With... Underneath a trailer, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Um, well, rules are the trellis rules that we create in our life are the trellis on which the vine can grow. So mm-hmm. it's the structure that the source grows on. Well, as a Christian, we have to have both of those. And so again, what I think what happened in church history is we focus so much on the vine Jesus, which is good and right, but we just like threw out the trellis. We threw out the rules. We threw out the religion. So now you have all these people that are growing in the spirit, but it's never growing up. Mm. It's never coming up because there's not a, they just threw out the structure. No, yeah. It's like the phrase we say where they threw out the baby with the bathwater, you know? So what I'm trying to say is what's good for us as a church every year is to come back around in our abide season and look at our trellis structure. Mm-hmm. Look at the structures that we've created. And by structures, I mean patterns, rhythms, or rules that we've created in our life that it's that's the things that we're doing that are enabling what we can't do. So you could say it like this. Wherever you're at, spiritually speaking, physically speaking, you know, obviously there are forces sometimes outside of our control. So this isn't, you know, 100% true all the time. But more often than not, the life that we have is a result of the choices we're making. Sure. You know, if you look at the top 10 causes of death in America, all of them are human induced. Um, All of them are not due to factors outside of our control. They're due to like heart disease and all these other things. Those are due to factors inside of our control. We're literally eating ourselves to death, Mm -hmm. you know, because of our diets and our sedentary, like, you know, obesity is higher than it's ever been. And and so those are all choices that we make because of patterns we've created because of the trellis of our life. And so this is a good time. And again, I'll talk more about this in the gatherings. This is a good time to, well, what are the structures? Do I, am I creating the structures for the vine to grow? Mm. Am I doing what I can do by having rules in my life that I live by that enable the spirit to grow fruit in me? So when you think about, this is what I was saying, like contrast, most people will make a resolution. Like I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, great. But they don't ever come back around and like, well, what are the rules that I'm going to create that will enable me to lose 20 pounds? Rules like I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to go to bed by 10. I'm going to work out four times a week. I'm going to cut out this, you know, food group like sugar. Well, those four things right there are rules. And if you live by those rules, you'll achieve your resolution. Mm -hmm. But most of us create a resolution, but live life with no rules. Mm. That's what I think this season is important for us to do, is to look at our life and think, okay, what do I want? I want to be holy. I want to be, I want to grow, spiritually speaking. Okay, 
You have what you want. And we do this all the time with people in pastoral care. We, we draw it out in the middle. We, what do you want? Okay. I want a good marriage. That's your primary desire. That's your primary desire. That's what you want. Okay. Let's draw a circle around that. Now, what are four things you need to do to get what you want? Mm -hmm. I'll never forget. I was doing a pastoral care probably seven, eight years ago. And this idea comes out of another book recommendation called Aligned Thinking. It's not a Christian book, uh, but it's, I believe it's written by a Christian uh, guy, though. Super easy read. I mean, it's one of those books that the first half of it is written as a narrative, as a story, which I don't always like those, but this one's really good. And then the second half gives you principles. So it's super easy to read. That's where this whole primary desire, necessary conditions comes from. But I remember I was talking to a, a young couple, um, again, seven, eight years ago, and, and, I, and we do this all the time, mm -hmm. got up on the whiteboard. Yep. I said, what do you want? You know, they're like, we want a good marriage. I'm like, all right, right, let's write that down. Right now, what are four things you can do to get that? That's what you want. Yeah. What are four things you can do? Minimum things. Minimum things. So we looked at it and they said, you know, okay, we want to talk every day. You know, go on a date. Not, and I don't remember exactly what they said. I'm just bringing these things up. Um, we want to go, uh, I, don't, I think they put counseling and then something else. But I'll, I'll never forget, after we drew that out, the guy sitting in the room who, guys, we're just simple. <laughs> we're just super simple. And that's the way the Lord made us. Doesn't mean we're stupid. We're just simple. Mm -hmm. um, I'll never forget. He looks at that and he goes, well, I can do that. He goes, that's it. I can do that. I said, here's the amazing thing of it. Do these four things and you'll get this in the middle. That's right. It's that simple. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. And those four things are just rules mm -hmm. that you're making. Yeah. We use the example. Uh, <laughs> we always kind of set it up. Okay. Let's, let's say your primary desire, the thing you want is, is fitness. Yes. Okay. Well, there's two minimum necessary conditions. What are they? Yeah. And I always put that out to the couple yeah. or the person in the room and, you know, invariably oh, diet and exercise. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Yes. That's it. You do those two things. You're going to be physically fit. Yes. Then I turned into, okay, what if you want to be financially fit? Yeah. What are the two things? What are the minimum necessary conditions? Yeah. Save more, spend less. Yes. Okay. You do those two things. You're on the pathway to get your primary desire. Yes. If we want to be connected to Jesus. Yes. What are the minimum necessary conditions? What yes. are the what are the rules in place? Exactly. Read your Bible. Yes. Pray. Yes. Fast. Yeah, and it really is that simple. But this is where I think people get tripped up. God is yes, Ephesians 3:20. He's beyond what we can ask, think or imagine. But God has it. God Himself is complex. God is supernatural, but the supernatural is not opposed to the simple. You know, mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is, look at the analogies that the Bible uses. Look at the vine. Well, what is it? Well, you plant a seed in the soil, and then you water it in sunlight, and then it makes that thing grow. That's the primary analogy that God uses to describe spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. So the seed is God or the word of God or the spirit of God. Jesus said this in the parable of the soils in Matthew 13, we are the soil. So the seed gets planted. That's something outside of ourself gets planted inside of ourself. You know, that's God gets planted in us. Then there's two things we got to do. Water it, sunlight, 
you know, well, sunlight is the word of God, mm-hmm. you know, water. It is the, and the Bible even talks. Jesus is that he's the light. He's the water. You know, he is come to me all who thirst. Well, that's the spirit of God. So we need the word of God and the spirit. How do we do that? Well, we read our Bible. We pray, you know, we fast. So it's what I'm saying is the supernatural is not opposed to the simple. And the simple is what rules can I create in my life to enable to do what I can't do? Mm -hmm. So what can I do to enable what I can't do? I can't make myself grow. God, 1 Corinthians 3, God gives the growth. But Paul says he planted and Apollos watered. So that's what we're saying is abide is a season where we take this. Let me say it like this to encourage you, because this is what January 3rd is when we're recording this. There's a lot of people that either haven't made New Year's resolutions or they've already broken them. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to speak to you for a second. (laughs) Don't get stressed. Don't be anxious and don't give up. Take these 21 days and don't feel like you have to have it all figured out when we start. Right. But I would say, take these 21 days to seek the Lord to see what rules he would have you create for the next 11 months. Mm -hmm. That is way more healthy than just picking out a resolution and trying to stick to it. And then three weeks later, you've already failed. So the whole point of this abide season is not just the growth we can experience in 21 days, but it's to create habits. Mm -hmm. It's to create rhythms. It's to create rules that then you will continue for the next 11 months. Yeah, because pursuing this fast and trying to muster through with an iron will yeah, and getting through and say, I did it, that, that's not a spiritual fast because you're not replacing no. that hunger. You're not replacing that, uh, that desire with something greater. Yeah, and we want, again, we want to we use this time to help create rules that you'll live by. Mm-hmm. So we put together a simple guide, you know, and you, you are the one who primarily does this. It's 21 days and has 21 verses, it goes through our reap method. So we just give people like, Hey, here's a basic thing you can do for 21 days. But the point is not just doing the 21 days. The point is to show you can do this. Mm-hmm. You can, you can, this is a simple rule you can create in your life. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Lindsay and I, we started a Bible reading plan. Um, and I've always wanted to read the Bible all the way through. <laughs> I'm, I shouldn't say I'm ashamed to do it because that's not the right way, but I've never done that. And in, in my multiple three decades now of walking with Jesus, I've never read the Bible all the way through. I've read every part of the Bible, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But not like in a consistent, systematic way. Because as I said earlier, I'm a guy who doesn't like a lot of rules, mm-hmm. you know, um, so I get it. Those of you that are free spirits, you don't want people telling you what to do. That's me. Like I get it. However, Lindsay and I started this 90 day Bible reading plan and you can just Google it. It's very easy. It's on the Bible app. We started it yesterday, mm-hmm. but it's going to take us through the entire Bible between now and what was cool to me is Easter. Okay. Easter is at the end of March this year. So I told Lindsay last night, I'm like, babe, how awesome would it be? By Easter, like, so you think from Christmas to Easter, we've read the whole Bible and it's an average of like 16 chapters a day. And, and we both felt like that was doable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what we're doing. And we're doing it on the Bible app. 
You can invite friends to do that stuff, which is a new thing for me. Again, one of the things that I realized in my sabbatical last year is I need people. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest barriers to my spiritual growth personally is I try to do it on my own. So Lindsay and I, uh, again, we've done different things together throughout the years, but we're doing this together. And and it was funny. I told her, or I asked her last night as we were cooking dinner, I said, babe, Hey, what if you, th- what if we did a Bible reading plan together and we read the whole Bible in 90 days? And she looked at me and she goes, Jason, that's the most romantic thing you've ever said to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? Uh, I've said way more romantic things, you know, to you. She's like, no, that like makes me want to cry that mm-hmm. you want to do that together. So men, I want to encourage you mm-hmm. in that. Not just because your wives will love it, um, but that's part of our job. Yeah, it's part of our job as as leaders in our home, um, and and so I chose one that I felt like we could do. Um, some of my friends are doing the whole Bible in thirty days. I was like, I don't think I can do no. that one. Mm-mm. But then doing one for the entire year, I was like, man, that just yeah, that I don't like that. I've already mentioned that, so I chose one that I felt like we could do. So now Lindsay and I are creating a rule. Yeah. You know, we're going to do this. To, and it's not like we're going to do it together. Like this morning, she, as she was getting ready, she was listening to that, the Bible app. So she was listening to it. Mm-hmm. Me, I like, I don't like to, she likes to listen to it, read, and then she's looking at it. I don't like doing that. Um, I like putting on classical music and reading it myself and kind of immersing myself. Which I never have understood. I, I cannot read with any other distraction. <laughs> And you, you're studying, you've got your earphones in, you're writing yeah. the message, you're reading the Bible. Well, again, classical music is the key or any kind of music without words, mm-hmm. because it, 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 I don't know if we've talked about this on here before, but our friend Keith understands mm-hmm. this because he's a classical music lover. Um, it engages the other side of your brain. Because um, normally when we're reading something and it's engaging one side of our brain, the more logistical side, but then the other side mm-hmm. is the creative side. So by listening to classical music, it allows that part of your brain to activate, which you're now using more brain power, but it's not something that distracts you because you're not singing mm-hmm. to it. You know, you're not using your, so it allows me to kind of escape into another world um, is the thought process. I'm going to have to try it, but I'm going to have to try something like really like an adagio, some, something really slow that that is not distracting for me well i do have there is some classical music mm-hmm. that's distracting one of the and i've had this since before revolution i've had this for a long time but because I'm, I'm with you on that but i literally i have an album i can share it with you it says the most relaxing classical music good that's what, that's <laughs> that's what i need because it, it can't be like vivaldi's four seasons no 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 in fact when that those kind of songs, because I have a whole mm-hmm. playlist, come on, I mm-hmm. I skip it. Yeah. Because it does make my brain, I start feeling like really, you know, like anxious. Um, yeah, like the culmination my, of the 1812 overture. Yes. It has, it has to be something powerful. In the no, Bible. no. So I skip past those okay. a lot of times. Okay. So yeah, it's more mo- more melodical. Crescendo would yeah. be the word. There Sorry. you go. Yes. It's more chill. Even sometimes like I'll listen, not just classical music, but sometimes... um almost like ocean sounds, yes, you know, yes. those kind of things mm-hmm. that you would listen to if you're getting a massage or something, you know, anything that doesn't have words. Mm-hmm. Um, Except for the drips of water. Yeah, yeah exactly. that, I don't that, listen that, to that. No. That'll make me go to sleep. Um, <laughs> it makes me do something else. Yes. So typically, even on my study routine, what I will do typically is I'll pray 
Lord, you know, help me to see what is in your word. Then I'll typically listen to a couple worship songs just to get my heart right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mind focused on Jesus. Then I'll switch to classical. So that's kind of my routine. Mm-hmm. No, that's um, good. That's good. And then that helps me to study. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying all that to say, again, that's a rule for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what helps me. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to do what I do, but what I want to encourage people is have some kind of rule. Mm-hmm. You know, take our 21 days, our, our abide guide, as we call it, use that, you know, that's a real basic one, but there may be some people that they're, that's not enough for them. You know, that's totally fine. Again, we're not trying to, we're not trying to create the most robust thing, Yeah. <laughs> but we just wanted to give people an on-ramp, um, especially people that are new to this. And so take our abide mm-hmm. guide, use those scriptures. I've already mentioned the 90 day plan that Lindsay and I are doing. And we're doing, and that's another mm-hmm. rule is do it in community. You know, that's a rule. Like we were not, we are social beings. We're not meant to do this alone. So think about in your life, um, again, and we wanted this podcast to really be like a resource. Um, the, this abide season's coming up. What can you start? What rules can you start in these 21 days that you could continue after, mm-hmm. you know? So don't just think about getting through the 21 days, but I'm praying and I, every year I say this, I hope that people will continue the discipline of fasting throughout the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And that I think the best thing to do and it's worked in my life is after the abide fast, either one whole day a week or fast like intermittent fasting is super popular now, which I think is great. Like there's huge spiritual benefits who knew. You know, um, so if you want to institute intermittent fasting in your life or fast from one meal a week, um, you know, whatever, uh, even with serve our outreach partner, we did this years ago. We call it meal a month where you can fast from eating food that day. And then we actually give to give meals to other people. So my point is don't be so concerned that it's already day three of a new year and you don't have anything. Uh, don't shame yourself. Mm-hmm. But over this next, over this month of January, ask the spirit, you know, what rules do I need in my life? What areas in my life am I out of shape in? Just think about it like that. Am I spiritually out of shape? Am I relationally out of shape? Am I financially out of shape? Physically out mm-hmm. of shape? And I always tell people I'm not out of shape. I'm just a different shape. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Think about that, um, and not to cut you off there, no. but, um, and then think about what rules, you know, again, on my sabbatical last year, Lindsay and I met with a life coach and, and we did this. Now, again, I'm not, and Lindsay even mentioned it to me. She's like, we're not doing a lot of those things. I, I know, but this is a time, mm-hmm. the first of the year, and I pulled it back up this morning. I looked at the rhythms that we had talked about. And again, for me, it was wake up at six in the morning read my Bible and drink coffee, go work out, um, leave the office by five, eat by six 30, be in bed by 10. Well, those are rules that mm-hmm. I want to live my life by. And if I live my life by those rules, then I will see growth. And, and that's really good because if you don't set your own pace, other people will set your pace for you. Oh, absolutely. So you have to have these rules in place. That's why we, you know, one of the, one of the books that I, I brought to the podcast today is 
a book that I read every year between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. And I've been doing this since 2019. I read it every year. It It's a one-sitting read. Hmm. Um, you know, I'll show this to the camera if you're watching on YouTube. One side of the page is a quote about busyness. Hmm. And the other side is some practical application of that. Hmm. And the book is called No, N-O, by Doug Fields, who is a... Um, Personal a, friend of mine, yeah. A, a kid's pastor guru. Student uh, pastor. Student pastor guru. He would uh, say youth. Youth. He's a youth pastor guru. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> uh, he's at Mariner's Church in California. Yeah. And I have read this, and it's a guide for busy people, but one of the rules of life that I'm instituting every year, and I, and I think every year I've gotten better at it, I'm still not perfected oh, it, no, no. It, is saying no, saying no to good things to say no to the right things. Yeah. You know, Warren Buffett says, the most successful people in the world say no to almost everything. Yeah. And, and no is a way to say yes to something that is way more important. Exactly. So having, having different rules of life, having your calendar set so nobody else sets your calendar is also a great rule of life. But there's also another aspect of this fast that we have instituted here at the church for the last several years. Mm -hmm. That is a food component. Yep. And a spiritual media component. Yeah. Spiritual media? Social media component. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It is spiritual. Yeah. Though. Yes. Yeah. Media component. Yes. And and that, I'm glad you mentioned that because, again, that's to your point. Every It's not a question of if you have a rule of life. It's just which one mm-hmm. or whose. So all of us are living by rules right now. Yeah. We're, we, we all live because a rule is just a rhythm. Mm-hmm. A rule is just, yes, what are you saying no to? What are you saying yes to? So the question is not if you have a rule of life. It's just what or whose. And that's why we always encourage people to not only do a food component, but do a media component. Cut out, whether it's social media um, or t- traditional media, you know, news, um, TV, whatever it is. Really cut out, uh, really think about how, uh, and again, any, any consultant, one of the things that they do when they come in and meet with a company or whatever is they do an audit, you know, every year we do a financial audit of ourselves because we want somebody from the outside looking at what the processes and things that we have inside and audit us, see what we're doing, where's our money going, that kind of stuff, make sure we're, we're good. Well, think about this. If we did a time audit, how much time we're spending? Well, almost every study that's been done has said people are spending anywhere from three to seven hours a day day. on media, social media, um, or traditional media, three to seven hours a day. Well, okay. If you're spending that much time this is when it, I think it was, wasn't a Freudian slip. It was a supernatural slip. You said spiritual media. Mm-hmm. Do you not think that the world or the devil is not influencing you through that three to seven hours a day of media? Oh, absolutely. There's a spirit behind that. Yes. You know, and I've mentioned this many times. The Bible calls the devil the prince of the power of the air. He's the accuser. He's the tempter. So he uses the world systems. It's not that media in and of itself is not bad. Social media in and of itself is not bad. It was originally created for us to get connected to other people. 
But what has happened, obviously, any good thing can be perverted. And so Satan perverts that, and now he uses that to influence us. So, I mean, literally, I can show you study after study after study, and I've mentioned this in sermons many times, of how the younger generations, Gen Y, Gen Z, now we're to a new one, I guess we start over, Gen A, um, their brains are literally being rewired, rehardwired, because they have a thousand connections online, but they're all very shallow. Mm -hmm. So they are directly connected to anxiety. We now have the most anxious generation we've ever had. And one of the reasons is, is because social media has rewired their brains. Yes. To where now, when something happens on social media, a disconnect happens. Literally a brain, like a, in their brain, a wiring was broken because it wasn't deep. So just think about like this. If I had a thousand friends, but all those relationships were shallow versus having 10 friends and those relationships are deep. Well, now when a friendship is broken on social media, it's not deep. And so now it's like, I just lost a friend and that makes me anxious or depressed or sad to, if I had 10 deep friendships, the same thing may happen, but it doesn't break the friendship. Right. Cause it's, there's depth there. Um, so again, I, I do not, and I'm not being mean, but I'm going to be honest to parents because I have a parent, I'm a parent of two teenagers, one son who'll be 20 and a daughter who's now 14. We do not allow our daughter to be on social media. We did not allow our son to be on social media till he was 18 because I didn't want their brains to be shaped. Mm-hmm by the social, I wanted it to be shaped by the spirit. So I, and again, I'm not being mean, but any parent that allows their teenager to be on social media, I don't understand it. And I think that's a bad decision because they're literally allowing their kids' brains to be shaped Mm -hmm. um, in a way that is supernaturally anti-God. That's why so many young people have walked away from God because of things they saw on TikTok. Right. Uh, because of things they saw on Snapchat. Can't tell you how often that happens. Um, so again, not to shame parents out there, but this is a great time for parents. To, and we do this with our kids. We just had this conversation with our kids. Over these 21 days, our kids won't be playing any video games. They won't be on social media. Of course, my daughter's not even on social media, but they'll be off social media and they'll have to fast. And typically my kids at least give up sugar. Uh, And we try to get them to eat healthier, but that becomes a rule of life for my kids. They know it every year. Like my daughter brings it up to us. Hey, what are we fasting from? Um, And my daughter's not perfect. I mean, she struggles, but how awesome is that? That my kids are asking Mm -hmm. me that Yeah, because they know it's coming. They know we do this and it becomes a spiritual growth thing Mm -hmm. for them. So it's a great time for you, you and your family, if you have kids, to institute, hey, here's what we're fasting from from food, and we're fasting from media. And the church will fast from social media also. Yeah, our entire church, we instituted that a few years ago. Uh, Lindsay, my wife, who does all of our communication, said, hey, if we're asking our church to fast from social media, why are we putting out things on social media? I'm like, I don't know what. Good point. (laughs) That's a great point. Good point. So the Abide Guide will be on the website. Yes. uh, But we will not be doing daily posts, hey, here's the verse from the Abide Guide. No. And and. You know, going back to that abide guide, 
it, it is very simple. Yeah. And it's rudimentary, but it's God's word every single day. Totally. And it may be one verse or it may be an entire chapter. Romans yeah. 8 is one of the days. Yeah. Ephesians 2 is one of the days. Yeah. And, and I thought it was important coming out of Ephesians 2 to be reminded of totally. all of yeah. the awesomeness that comes in Ephesians 2, saved by grace through faith. The, the opportunity that we have through the Abide Guide is that once the 21 days are over, whatever Bible reading plan or whatever rhythm you have created, that you will continue that. Yes. And that you would continue reading God's word, feasting on God's word, because it is so easy to get to that three to seven hours a day in social media oh, gosh, or yeah. any kind of media. You're listening to, again, my not nothing against a good crime podcast. <laughs> it, does, it does pass the time. Uh, we have you and I have shared different podcasts, uh, theological podcasts. Yeah, totally. And, and so there is some good stuff. But I, I guarantee you, if you had a, a team in the hunt this weekend in the college football playoffs, the game was over, and you may have gone to Twitter and just read for an hour and a half. What are they saying about the game? What are yes. they saying about? I did that. I didn't even have a team in the yes. hunt. Yeah. So uh, these are important things. If you get into the fast, this is really important. If you're into the fast and you say, okay, I'm not going to eat meat. And something happens like what happened to me last year. I think I preached on this, that we were out and I ordered something. It was a, I think it was an Asian restaurant and I ordered something vegetarian and it came out and it had some chicken on it. Yeah. And I wasn't even thinking and I took a bite, and I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> Why does this taste so good to me right now? And, and when I shared that in the sermon, people came up afterwards and said, oh, I, that was so refreshing to hear that, that even the pastor failed. Yes. Well, yeah, every, I fail every day. In, in some aspect of my life, I fail every single day. It's okay. Just get back on it. Exactly. And that's why I like the concept of rule of life more than resolutions. Because resolutions feel like um, once I break it, I'm done. You know, like I had this resolution to, you know, not what let's just say I had this resolution to work out every day. Well, once you break that, then you don't, you're done. Yeah. As opposed to a rule of life. And here's where, and we've talked about this before. One of my friends slash pastor slash mentor slash counselor told me, Jason, it's about a majority, you know? So again, the reason why I work out four times a week is because four is a majority. Mm -hmm. I don't, the point is not work out every day because even the Bible says take a Sabbath. The point is the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. So four is more than three. Yep. So if I can work out four times a week, that's great. Yeah. Because that means the majority of the time I'm living by this rule of life. So it's not about perfection. Mm -hmm. It's about process. It's about rhythm. It's about rules. It's about creating something that you do the majority of the time. So yes, this 21 days is not about the 21 days, it's not about perfection during the 21 days. It's about creating processes. It's about creating rhythms. It's about creating rules. So that's what we want this to help is how can you create a rule of life or rules that says, I'm going to read the Bible. You know, I'm going to have a rhythm of reading the Bible. I'm going to have a rhythm of fasting. I'm going to have a rhythm of praying. And, and you can all, if you're a morning person, great. If you're a night person, great. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. the, what matters is what are your rules? What are your rhythms? And live into those. And please do not fall into the 
fasting comparison trap. We're, we're already in a, in a social media comparison trap. If somebody else is fasting and they're just drinking water and you cut out sugar, you're, they're no more spiritual than you are. It's not about the fasting. <laughs> yes. Again, to your point of eating chicken when you failed miserably yeah. <laughs> last year. <laughs> it, was, it was so good. Yeah. It's not, fasting is not about fasting. Like I'm not fasting for fasting's sake. I have done this many times where I get caught up on what I'm not doing mm -hmm. versus what I'm not doing to enable me to what I can do, you know, or what I'm enabling to have happen. So again, fasting is not about what food you're going without. It's about I'm going without this food so that I can feast on God, so that I can pray and focus on God. So don't get caught up, yeah, in what you're not doing as much as this is just a means to an end of what I want to do, which is feast on God. And and seek from God. Yeah. It, it, you may you may Abide. have a you yeah. may have a, a big life decision coming up. Yeah. You know, spend the twenty one days asking God, hey, give me some wisdom on this. Yeah. And one of the things I'm going to be seeking from God is, hey, open my eyes to what you have for me in Kenya. Because we're, mm. we're leaving mm. February 16th for Kenya. Yeah. And, and I don't know what to expect. Yeah. And I want my heart to be in the right place when I get there. Yeah. So I can be ready for what God is, is going to show me. Totally. Um, if it's a decision about school, a decision about marriage, a decision, whatever it is, you know, spend time seeking God and asking him. Absolutely. In fact, I'm going to teach on this in Deuteronomy 4, um, either this week or next week, or probably both. He said in Deuteronomy, you know, Moses is writing this after they've left Egypt and he's creating rules for them. Law, as we call mm -hmm. it, um, as they go into the new land. And Moses tells them, um, coming from the Lord, to listen to statutes. And he uses the word rules. These rules I'm giving you. But then you go down, I think it's verse six or seven in Deuteronomy four. And then Moses says this, then other nations will know you have a God that's near. Mm. You have a God that's with you. You have a God that's near. And what's amazing to that is when you think about that, it's like, wait, hold on a second. Okay. For other nations to know we have a God that's near, I need to live by rules. Mm. So if I'm not living by rules, a, I won't have a God that's right. near, and then other people won't know I have a yes. God that's near. So to use your point, yeah, I always tell people, you have a big decision to make, fast and pray for three days, you know, because then you're doing what you can do to enable what you can't do, which is be near to God, be holy. But you're drawing near, and God's going to draw near to you, and you're going to have more wisdom. So yeah, we should never make big decisions or things in life without praying and fasting and living by these rules because then we'll have a God that's near and other people will know we have a God that's near. Mm. Well, if you want a God that's near, then do what you can do to get near to him, which is praying, fasting, reading your Bible, living by these rules. And if you, you are drawing near to him, he will draw near to you. And that's the point. That's what we want to have happen. That is excellent. And I have made the mistake of big life decisions without, without praying and fasting. Yeah. 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 Uh, or or cursory prayer. Yeah. Lord, I'm pretty sure I think I should do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I, like I need that confirmation. Exactly. Uh, all right. So a um, couple of the books that we've already mentioned, you mentioned the- Aligned Thinking. Aligned Thinking by- 
I can't remember his name. Some guy. Uh, Habits of Grace by David Mathis. It's all about spiritual disciplines, but enjoying Jesus through those spiritual disciplines. There's another spiritual discipline book. I do not have my copy. I must have given it away because it was coffee stained and dog eared and underlined. Yeah. But I can't find it. It's uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. Yeah. It's one of the classics. Uh, Yeah. First book I read. First book somebody gave me after trusting in Jesus. Yeah. They gave me that and Religious Affections from Jonathan Edwards, Mm -hmm. which I didn't understand a word. (laughs) (laughs) You're making making up words there, John. Um, No by Doug Fields. Uh, N O. Mm-hmm. I'm showing the camera, mm-hmm. and the I have really enjoyed the book that we gave away at the Giver Celebration yes, Dinner. Yes, we if, gave those to everybody who came to those. Yeah. If you were at the Giver Celebration Dinner, um, you got a devotional, and some people love devotionals. Yeah, uh, I've really en- I started it a, a week early. Yeah, <laughs> give yourself some grace. <laughs> yes, right? yeah. um, it is the Songs of Jesus. It's it's a 365 day walk through Psalms. Yes. And uh, excellent by Tim Keller. And so if you have those or you want to get those, they're they're available wherever you buy your books. Yes. Yeah. And again, for those who came to our Giver Celebration dinners, we gave those out. And uh, I think we still have a few copies left. Um, so we could give some out that we still have. Um, but I know we got rid of most of them. Um, but yeah, anything like that's the point. The point. And that's why I was mentioning about the Abide Guide. It's not about you have to do our guide or this other guide. Just just choose one, something mm-hmm. yeah. that helps you develop a rule. And then again, we'll talk more about this. But think about your life. You know, think about um, there's a business book that was a long time ago that was a principle. Uh, it's called the E-Myth Revisited, which is not necessarily something you need to read. I mean, you can if you like that kind of stuff. It's a great book. But there was a principle that was in there that he said— so many of us spend so much time working in the business, we don't ever step back to work on the business. Mm, yep. The same thing is with our life. So many of us are busy in our life that we don't step back and think and work on our life. Oh, and when you're so busy in your life, and this is one of the concepts that, that blew me away in that book, No by Doug Fields. Yeah. When you're so busy in your life, and that's why I don't use the B word. Yeah. I use the full, the full word. Yeah. Um, you don't realize it. Yeah. You are unaware of the pace that you are running. And yes. those who are prone to burn out are unaware of that. And that was me. Yes. So this abide season is a time to work on your life. Mm-hmm. It's a time to step back for 21 days, cut out food, yep. cut out media. So you have a chance to work on your life to say, what kind of life do I want? What rules do I want to live by? How do I want to live in 2024? What are the things I want to do, the rhythms I want to create? So that's what I'm saying. Don't be so upset with yourself about resolutions, but take this time to work on your life and develop mm-hmm. rules that you want to live by. Yeah. Excellent. All right. That is the podcast for today for a transcript of the show. Uh, just write everything down. Uh, unless you're watching on YouTube where there actually is a transcript. <laughs> our producer is Brian Damaro. Our video technician is Neon Kian Sadiji. Our key grip is Jakob Pushikovsky. Uh, our head of doctrine and theology. We have a new, oh, we have, Marco. We have a new one. Yes. Yes. Marcos. 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 We're very excited that you are part of the staff. Yes. Can you hear us? Can you come on the microphone for a second? No? Okay. Uh, 
Um, but we're happy to be here. Okay, oh, there he is. excellent, hey, excellent. Marcos, uh, we had to, to turn it on. We have to come up with a name for for Marcos. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I yeah. don't know. he's the editor, probably the editor. Sure. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Our, our head of doctrine and theology is theologian. Our chief evangelist is salvation. Our backsliding prevention officer is lukewarm. Our director of Swedish witnessing is Bjorn again. Bjorn. Uh, our expert favorite. on Russian eschatology is Pitov Hell. <laughs> our director of holiness, mortification. Our staff counselor is Les Moody. Our giving coordinator, generosity. Our director of tithing is Tim Percent. Our nativity coordinator from France, Beth Laham. Our co-pastors of plagues, Manny Locust and Lance Boyles. Our Irish eschatology professor is Mark O. the Beast. The director of communications is Bernie Bush. The director of doctrine of election is I Am Chosen. Our sabbatical director, who helped Pastor Jason out uh, back in August, uh, Trip Long. Um, it was a trip. Yep. Our director of marriage studies from Romania, Shizma Betterhoff. Our, our missional expert is Sam Aria. Sam Aria? Sam Aria. Yeah. I like that our, our resident Trinitarian is Holly Spirit. Our strategist for the final battle is Irma Geddon. Irma Geddon. And our resident sheep tender, he only works in December, is uh, Nathaniel Ivity. Nativity. <laughs> Nate Ivity. Is that one new or did you do that last no, time? No, that was last time. Nate, okay. Nate Ivity. And, uh, and the new one is our, our doctrinal security officer. Hmm. Harry C. <laughs> Harry C. Harry C. I like that one. Harry C. Yeah. Harry, Harry C. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Um, hey, I and, just realized we didn't do the beginning, the purpose of the Grow People podcast. We didn't? No, because remember, for those of you that are, you wouldn't know, but this is our second take. We started the first take, but on the second take, we didn't say it. Really? Yeah. Okay. So um, I don't, we want to end with that one. Sure. The purpose yeah. of the Grow People podcast is to help grow people. Sorry, we missed that. In there the beginning. we go. And uh, the best advice we could possibly give. Trust God and take it out. See you next time.